Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash have a drink show. New Year's is over. I can't drink anything else. I can't even look at... Wait, what What have we set up? Bourbon County tasting? Alright, yeah, go ahead. Pour me some. What am I going to say? No. I guess while we're at it, we might as well talk about 2018 and review. So see how the year treated us. So join us as we have a drink. Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Oh, so we've got to stop doing these hangover specials. <laughs> Every streamathon, we say this year will be different. And it, it never is different. I mean, this What's year, different? This year, I, I didn't cry on the couch. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. Uh, no one was so hungover, or no one got so sick last night that they threw up, so that's always a positive. We're just getting old. Reasonable overdrinking. Yeah, yeah, okay, we'll no put it. A reasonable mixing of scotch and beer. Right. Uh, Real good. Yes, uh, huge thanks again to Jim for bringing those scotches over, because a lot of them are extremely hard to find. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. So, so now on to what we have in front of us. <laughs> The excitement or terror I, in Casey's voice. I think mostly I thought, terror. I thought there was fewer. Yeah, I was thinking like three fewer than this. So, I'm really only excited about trying one of them. Is that weird? <laughs> I'm excited by a lot of them because I have only ever had one of these variants. Actually, it wasn't even one of these. Usually I can only get a hold of uh, the barley wine. But uh, I decided it would be fun if we had a nice brunch on New Year's Day. And why not have uh, a brunch with every single variant, minus proprietors, because I couldn't get to Chicago, hmm. of the Bourbon County brand stout for 2018. And we, will sh- we shall christen this the Bourbon County brand brunch. It's not a brunch isn't unsalted crackers? I mean, we already we already had our brunch, technically. Yeah. I hop. We did. <laughs> Where did you hop to? But I'm bumps. I just hopped off the couch, oh. to be honest. All right, so uh, let's talk a little bit about the brewery that makes Bourbon County brand stout, uh, the Goose Island Beer Company. Their famous beer began with a trip across Europe when Goose Island founder and unabashed beer lover John Hall took a tour across the continent. I feel like that's how a lot of early big name yeah brewery start it was the pilgrimage yeah uh so pint by pint he savored the styles and selections of brews in every region 
and thought to himself, America deserves some damn fine beer like this, too. <laughs> Craft brewing wasn't widely known at the time, but upon return from his European sojourn, John set out to change all that. He settled down in his hometown of Chicago, a city perfect for craft beer, and uh, not according to some of the stats we have now, but one source is saying now the home of craft in our country is Chicago. A rapidly evolving taste and the largest system of freshwater on the planet. And, and then he got to brewing. First he made some stellar beer. Then he invited his uh, consumers in to watch his process at the brewery. And this is kind of something that we all take for granted today is being able to, any brewery pretty much does a tour or you're drinking in the middle of the brewing equipment. Yeah. Um, so bringing them behind the scenes every step of the way. The result was a new fascination with craft brewing and beer that not only catered to people's tastes, but challenged them as well. That was back in 1988. And they haven't slowed down since. Being bought. <laughs> By 1995, John's beard became so popular that he decided to open a larger brewery <laughs> along with a bottling plant to keep up with demand. 1999 brought even more growth along with an additional brew pub. And, uh, and today, what was once a man's pint-filled dream has become the Goose Island Empire you know and love. Hmm. So uh, that was all from their website about it uh and what we decided to or what i decided to shoehorn in here uh what was then known as the craft brewers alliance of red hook and woodmere brothers owned a 42 percent stake in goose island but its brewery and brew pubs in chicago remained wholly owned by goose island i believe that is still still the case today uh but on march 28th 2011 Goose Island announced that Anheuser-Busch InBev was buying not only the 42% stake in Goose Island, owned by Craft Brew Alliance, but the remaining 58% for a reported $38.8 million. I mean, that's not ballast point money. Yeah, no. It's actually not very much money at all. It's kind of low figures there. We still have to scratch our heads and wonder what Wicked Weed got mm-hmm. for their whole buyout. But yeah, that, that kinda, they weren't the first to sell out, but they definitely were a big one. Yeah, no, they were one of the, the first really large ones to... Yeah. So, a year later, Goose Island Beers, including... Oh, sorry. A year later, <laughs> Goose Island Beers, including 312, Urban Wheat, uh, Goose Island IPA, and Honker's Ale would be produced at Anheuser-Busch InBev Breweries in Fort Collins, Colorado, and Baldwinsville, New York, for nationwide distribution. Uh, Greg Hall stepped down as brewmaster with uh, the AB InBev purchase in 2011, Brett Porter was hired as the new brewmaster. So within a year, they started, like they offloaded the brewing of the major beers. I didn't realize it was that fast. The the almost immediate stepping down of the head brewer, too, kind of tells me like, oh. He wasn't on board for this. No, he wasn't. He wasn't at all. And that also explains why the beer tastes. Yeah, uh, those those beers, uh, back when we did the video iteration of this uh, show that was only on uh, DCTV, I think you might be able to find that. That yeah, that might be hanging around on YouTube. But we did a Goose Island variety pack, and we're we're none too pleased with what we had. So metal metal shavings everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, as we were saying, there are like the main brewery in Chicago is still run by Goose Island as an entity. So and that is where they make all of the beers laid out in front of us, the Bourbon County brand stouts. 
So it, you can still roughly say these are really good beers. Yeah, generally. I haven't tasted them yet. Well, the ones we've had in the past have yeah. been, been good. We're, yeah. We haven't had this year's. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so uh, while I'm pouring these, one of you guys want to go ahead and introduce us to uh, to the legend? <laughs> well, Bourbon County Brand Stout is our first uh, first pour here. It is a uh, it is a pilsner. <laughs> no, it's a stout. Uh, fourteen point seven ABV. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> it's like wait, what? <laughs> uh, Sixty IBUs has a beer advocate score of four point six out of five. Pretty good. <laughs> Still pretty good. Uh, aged four plus years. It, uh, sorry, it aged in. I gotta say that doesn't that seem right at all. Aged in four plus year old uh, Heaven Hill uh, bourbon barrels. The original bourbon, uh, <laughs> the original uh, bourbon barrel aged stout is as good as when we first made it over twenty years ago. Caramel, almond, cherry, uh, plus leather and tobacco flavors permeate this complex beer that deepens with each sip. As brewmaster Jared Jankowski stated, "It ain't broke. We didn't try to fix it." Fair enough. It's a good, <laughs> good stance to have on that. So, was it a four point six out of five from Beer Advocate? So, yeah. still highly regarded by the community, and it still pops up at line shares. I mean, people still, at least this one beer from Goose yeah, Island, they is, don't turn down. Yeah, because this is, it may not be the original, but it definitely popularized the barrel aged stout. I'm actually picking up on this one some of the other notes that they talk about. So the cherry, almond, vanilla, I get those in a combo, um, like an almond extract flavor, something like that, or an amaretto, mm. um, yeah, something along yeah. those lines. I can smell the cherry, definitely. That's mm-hmm. heavy on the nose. Definitely cocoa. Not as much coffee. No. No, and that could be, uh, this is still slightly chilled. Coffee might stand up more as it warms. Yeah. To me, it's just the, the problem I have with a lot of barrel aged, or I guess specifically bourbon barrel aged. It's so sweet. Mm. I, I and I'm not always a fan of that. Um, as in in especially in a stout. Uh, like this one seems, and, and I don't know if it's just because like you know we have the base like once a year, so it's mm. been a minute. But it's so sweet to me. Well, I was gonna say like. This uh, this tastes very sweet, and it tastes uh, tastes of cherry, uh, but not not really in that that tussin flavor that we. Uh, oh actually, yeah. Actually, I was gonna say like as I'm sitting here, there's kind of a medicinal aftertaste for me. I'm. I get that. A metallic-y almost. Yeah, on the after, uh, just the, like the yeah, initial, an aftertaste. Yeah, the initial taste when I'm like sipping on it, it's like oh yeah, no, that's just. Well, if we were go back uh, last year, we did the vertical of. Uh, what, four years of Bourbon Counties, mm. and none of us were that pleased with the fresh, if I yeah, recall. Yeah, that's true. Like, this we is all, something you have to age. I think, uh, what was it, we decided on the three years? It was like the 2014 or something? or Which, yeah, it was three years 15? from... Yeah. I think we all decided that, yeah, the three-year back one was probably the best one. That was the first one they did uh, when it started pasteurizing. Ah, right. So... Um... I do get the coffee and the flavor. Not as much in the aroma. I do get it the flavor, though. Yeah. 
Hmm. It is interesting. It is a lot like um, when you think when you think coffee. That might be where I'm getting like there's like a real fruitiness in there. Mm -hmm. That's really odd. Could it be like green coffee beans were used? I'm not sure. Not on purpose, but the first thing I thought of was uh, uh, fruity in that like like sense of like dates or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it is like a kind of like a dark stone fruit kind of deal. I'm getting more and more of that medicinal taste every time, every sip I take. Like after that, a first initial aftertaste, like the, the the heat from it in my mouth. Now I'm just like the 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 like whiskey kind of heat. I'm just like every time I take a drink, it's it, it's starting to taste more and more tussin. Well, every don't sip. drink all of it, and everybody will will set. Set those aside. Set a little, save a little bit. We'll let that warm up, and we'll revisit it later and see cool. as it uh, <laughs> approaches room temperature how much that that flavor changes. Maybe coffee pops more. Maybe that tussin taste goes away for you. <laughs> Tyler in the chat there said he had the fourteen at uh, two thousand fourteen uh, last oh. night. It was so good. I was like, yeah. So what's up next? Well, uh, first everyone <clears throat> needs to cleanse their palates a little bit. We've got some uh, unsalted crackers and water just to kind of break up the monotony a little next up is uh the variant that is only available in the state of kentucky and chicago and we we mused last year because it was the first time this variant came out that this is because they uh may have kind of been stuck with a whole a whole big batch of a specific kind of barrel and uh, they decided to make lemonade out of their lemons and uh, up the price for a variant when they didn't have to pay more for the barrels, probably. Well, it depends. When did they announce that this one was coming out? Hmm. Um, it would have been... So when it came out last year... It would have been early last year. It would have been like in the spring. So... That would have been the only thing is they either got really lucky or they're really good because this would have been this is the bourbon barrel that won whiskey of the year this year. So that's uh, also been the trend because it was uh, last year was the uh, uh, Knob Creek. Did that, I don't think that one won whiskey was, of the year. It last wasn't year, whiskey it? of the year, but it was uh, it was an acclaimed yeah single barrel release. And uh, but yeah, this year's they managed to get the blind picked whiskey of the year yeah so this is the bourbon county brand stout aged or reserve uh, aged in 12 year old elijah craig bourbon barrels hmm. someone wants to go on with the stats there and i'll give us the pours sure so this is of course imperial uh, bourbon county stout um 15.2 percent so even bigger Ooh. than what you would normally see uh in the brand stout um <clears throat> 60 IBUs. Can you scroll up for just a second, Brittany, and let me see above? 60 is the same as the other one. Is it the same? Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. 60 IBUs. So it looks like they've put it in there. It's picked up about a half a percent from the wet barrel So uh, mm-hmm. in ABV. Beer Advocate scores this one as a 4.5 out of 5. Um, a little bit lower than the traditional straight, but uh, maybe you're looking for a little bit more in this one, so it has to hold up to a higher standard. Same recipe as Bourbon County Brand Stout, but aged in the 12-year-old Elijah Craig Barrel Proof Bourbon Barrels. 
it doesn't matter if it's barrel proof or not. It's just an Elijah Craig. It, it's always barrel proof until it comes <laughs> out of the barrel. Yeah. They make Elijah Craig from barrel proof Elijah Craig. Um, <laughs> the bourbon was awarded 2017 Whiskey of the Year by Whiskey Advocate. Oh, so it would have been after the fact. So they sourced these. They knew what they were doing. Mm. So whenever we see next year's Whiskey of the It'll Year, probably be we'll be the... finding out what the, the one is. Um, so uh, top honor in a world of international whiskey. Reserve is intended to showcase the nuances of a premium single source and highly sought after bourbon. Okay. I will say uh, when I was pouring these, uh, a note was there was little to no head, even on the hard pours. It smells, I want to say it smells a little bit boozier than the other one. I mean, it is, but like I get more of an alcohol aroma. Yeah. I think. Maybe I'm wrong. This is that time to like sit out for a minute, though. <laughs> yeah, this one, this one I get more like a, some like some fruit and a little bit of vanilla thing. This I'm getting a lot more just booze but in it's the aroma. Like- it's less sweet to me. Yeah. Oh, well, it's yeah. Because all the sweet fermented into booze. <laughs> <laughs> it is less sweet. A lot of the same notes I'm getting, at least off of. Yeah. Many of the same notes. A little thinner, less sweet, um, a little more boozy. The the oak flavors, actually, for me, have tamed down a bit. Mm. And I'm getting a little bit less of the chocolate vanilla Mm-hmm. And I'm getting more of just a standard oxidized flavor. So um, I don't know if that's more of the barrel that they picked to go with or if it's because this one isn't blended with as many that they didn't get a, as good of a blend or something like that. But it's a very, very specific um, difference between the two. Yeah, It's still the same beer. You can tell it's the exactly sa- the same beer. It's just on the tiny little 10% of the nuance that you actually get get any change at all. Yeah, yeah and that, that it feels more muted to me. Well, it being thinner made made it some of the the coffee and chocolate flavors for me. I noticed them a little easier, I think, in this one, where the other has so many flavors going on. This mm-hmm. one was just kind of like turned some of the other stuff down, so I noticed some of the other ones more. The medicinal flavor goes away for me. Yeah, I'm that, not getting medicinal it, at all. The medicinal's gone. That that is an interesting ha- point. I don't have that aftertaste really in my mouth. So yeah. yeah. So that, I don't know if that's having to do with specifically is, because it's a different bourbon. Is it the blending? Is it? It, I, it could very well be the bourbons because whenever I'm tasting, um, what's the the standard early times and and some of those bourbons, mm. those have their four year bourbons and so they have a tendency to be a little bit more harsh around the edges and and. I'm kind of getting some of the same notes in that first bourbon that I get in those young bourbons. So. I don't know. Maybe maybe the fact that so yeah okay so okay, the Heaven Hill is four year old and four yeah. plus but I mean either way and then twelve year old Elijah Craig so yep. okay eh, that may make a difference may pull more out of the barrel so you're not left with some of the same tannin type notes in there or something along those lines. Mm. I definitely I, I I think I prefer it to the base that's for sure because of that medicinal issue. Um, but to me it, it's still I'm I'm still not getting any coffee out of it. I definitely get some chocolate, maybe some vanilla, and then there's just kind of a, a mild sweetness. Like, I'm not getting a lot of the complex flavors out of it for some reason. I think this one tastes like what the base beer, excuse me, base beer tastes like after a couple of years of aging. Yeah. It calms down some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but still, you've got that amped up 
maybe not even a couple years. Maybe this is like one year of aging is what you're you're really seeing on this this stout specifically. All right. Well, uh, again, everyone, hold a little bit of that one. Hold that one back, and we'll. I'm not gonna have room for all of them. Oh, we're not gonna keep holding them back. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> pretty soon they're already gonna be approaching room temperature. Just make sure you know where which ones which. Where you're setting them. And uh, I believe, before we crack into our next one, uh, we are going to discuss a little bit about what happened this year. And first up, we're going to talk about the Brewers Association uh, Year in Beer. And again, that's to keep in mind, this is the, the trade group that represents craft craft brewing. So, had the, the skew of some of this data may be more towards the positive. Um, so Brewers Association comes in this year with a 5% growth in volume. It's a new high for the numbers. Uh, just a small bump actually this year. It's, it's not a very large bump compared to what you've seen in the past years. Um, volume though is the, the key word there. So you're not looking at, at how much is being spent. You're looking at exactly how much is the beer seen growing in what's actually being poured in glasses. This can go a couple different ways. So if you're looking at what the historical position has been, we've been drinking less of more expensive beers. With the invent of, or the, the addition of lagers this year as being a huge portion of what we're, we're seeing, prices for lagers are a little bit lower, but the volume that you'll be pouring on a lager beer is going to be much higher. So it's a big difference whenever you're looking at a stout where I can have one of these and be absolutely smashed, or I can have three or four lagers and be perfectly fine to go and, well, I wouldn't mow the grass after that, <laughs> mainly because I don't mow grass, but um, you would be able to go out and, yeah. Ooh, I like this idea. I could have goat milk too. Right. So it's also, um, I'm wondering, I don't, it probably doesn't in this data yet because they just made the change to allow for um, the, the uh, hard spirit, spirit, the uh, hard seltzer. seltzers. Yeah. So seltzers and ciders and considering. I doubt this information had been prepared with that in mind because this was released just, I mean, like, I think like a week before that, that announcement came. Yeah. So I think next year. Keep these numbers in mind because let's wait and see what happens to them next year when they're announcing like 20% growth by volume and all these these kind of crazy things. All right, but next up we have the economic impact that we've seen from Kraft. So 500,000 jobs added this year. Uh, nope. for, oh, what? Oh, total, total. Yeah. Craft beer jobs uh, impact. So it's a 9% increase over 2017. Nine percent anything to sneeze at, but again, I mean, we're talking most of these kind of jobs. As you want to look at the end of the year, we had the story of what was going on at uh, was that Treehouse or Trillium? Trillium. Trillium, well, where it's you know coming into exactly what these kind of jobs pay, and yeah, yeah, it's a, not uh, not the greatest price for some of them. And are we talking full time equivalents or are these part timers? Are you, are you hiring five part timers in place of one right. one normal worker? And right. you've got to think about efficiencies in the system because craft breweries, as we get down through this data, you'll see more and more how how it's growing. But if I'm having a half a million workers that are actually doing the work that could be done by four hundred fifty thousand workers, but because they're in six different company or you know six six different regions and um, you know this 
this person actually could be doing 10% more than what they're doing. And, and you get some inefficiencies there that could be bad for the system overall because long-term it can't support a half a million whenever it actually just needs 450000 to run that mm. volume of beer. Yeah. Now, this, this next number um, is a pretty good-looking number. <laughs> yeah. Until you think about some things that have been done in the past. So... This year, uh, craft beer has contributed $76.2 billion to the U.S. economy, um, an 11% increase over 2016, but they don't mention 2017's no, number. Uh, economy in 2017. Oh, okay, yeah. over 2016. Okay, so that makes more sense. So there's Perfect. an asterisk got, that says that 2018 numbers won't be available until 2019. Okay, so you're looking, you're looking at a year back on this. So um, that's great because... 2017 was looking poor in some of the other numbers. Everyone so. was expecting it to kind of be bust, really. That was when we saw a lot of breweries starting to close up. It was a flat line. Um, now, $76 billion, that's 76 ballast points. <laughs> yeah. So uh, There are 76 ballast point size breweries out there now. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really the, the, the kind of number you want to look at because... That was well overpaid for. Oh yeah. Um, when you're thinking about Ballast Point is at the probably less than one half of one percent. Um, when craft beer makes up seven percent, something like that of the entire market. Yeah, uh, we do have uh, more than seven thousand new uh, seven thousand breweries operating. Well, again, we keep that number keeps. What was it? Was it two years ago or was it? Yeah, it was two years ago that we finally were like, oh, we've reached the pre-prohibition numbers mm. and now we're just it's like a bottle rocket just flying chugging, past yeah. it which yeah. is very much what you see in tastes your regionals that took the play your regionals out there sold the volume of what you know 30 or 40 small independent tiny city size craft breweries would produce so you know a regional like well, I don't even want to say fat tar. Um, Regional like, um, uh, let's say a Sweetwater. Uh, okay, yeah. Sweetwater uh, are they national right now? They're, they're, they're they are national. Southern Tier. Okay, Southern, Southern Tier is a good one. Southern Tier out of out of uh, New York State. Um, yeah. Somebody like that has really retrenched and pulled back. Somebody like uh, Cigar City has has really not had the opportunity to grow as fast as they would like. Um, even though they've they've they kind are of, now they've They're... they've kind of gotten into a different pattern now they've right. they've b- bought into a larger group yeah but um, the the fact that you've got these regionals that haven't been able to grow as large mainly because and and I don't I didn't see these numbers in here does it talk about variety any in here um, I don't think okay. so so variety is the biggest thing that's driving breweries currently you want to be able to produce a lot so people can try people don't have a go-to anymore it's that okay i I like these beers right now and then a six-pack is a lot to ask for whenever you're you're really trying to get somebody to buy beer yeah and that that, i used to think like that's just a us problem because we're (laughs) we're always having to drink something new for everybody but no no that's just generally how a lot of people drink now yeah and it's uh, a lot of bottle shops and a lot of places that sell bottles of beer it's they they have to do a singles wall so you can like make your own six pack or something like that because yeah a, buying a whole six pack is a big ask and it's if I really want to try something 
and it's only in the six pack, I'll buy the six pack. Yep. And but uh, outside of that, if I'm looking around, if there's some things, I'm like, oh, I kind of want to try that, and it's only in the six pack. I'm like, I'll wait a couple weeks and see if they break it out into singles because I don't want to commit to a whole six pack. And if they never break it out, then I will end up never trying that beer. Sometimes. Yeah. Mm. Um. So if I'm a if I'm a brewing company like the size of Founders and I add a new beer, I've got to educate. I don't know. 10,000, yeah, probably fewer than that, probably closer to like six or 7,000 accounts on what I'm trying to sell. So if I'm rolling out a new beer every week, like people really want to see to try to sell that new beer, I've got to have a sales force that's outrageously large. If I'm a small independent brewery where I've got my own tap room and that's where I'm really serving or potentially one or two beers that's, that's outside of that tap room, I have to educate the eight or 10 people that are on my bar at that time about what's on tap. And I don't really have to worry about much larger than that. It's inefficient in the long run to do multiple beers, but it's what the market wants. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, moving on for um, something we've talked a bit about, actually, uh, the certified independent. So um, that was kind of a contentious point back at that was the almost was it like, uh, February or March, early of this on, year yeah. That we got, we had the big uh, seek the seal, and mm-hmm. yeah, and we've got the issue of like some people not like voluntarily not putting it on their labels, that kind of and thing. And right when this came out, you had uh, some breweries flat out leave the Brewers Association. Uh, right, Flying Dog just said, nope, we don't like. They still meet all the qualifications for the seal to be on their packaging and to be, you know, to be craft beer. They just packed up and left the Brewer Association for, they didn't give reasoning. Yeah. It may be over uh, dues because, again, all the breweries that are in the Brewer Association, it is they do have to pay dues. Theirs was on censorship, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah the, the, the name thing. They've yeah. butted heads yeah. many times with the Brewer Association because, uh, yeah, that's right, because they, they changed the ruling. They won't that, say the name. Yeah. They won't say the name. You can win awards, but they will not stand up there and say, Raging Bitch has won... Yeah. You know, best of show or something like that. And you probably wouldn't get it in the the announcement that they sent out to, mm. okay, here's all the beers. It would just say this style from this brewery, most yeah. likely. And that's not going to help you out in your, your marketing. This no. Belgian IPA. Yeah. But so um, so we're at four, more than 4,000 brewing companies adopted the independent craft brewer seal. Uh, that's in, in case, um, for those not on video or whatever, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's the upside down beer bottle uh that says brewers association independent craft on um the labels so this is representing more than 85 percent of the craft beer brewed in the u.s yeah what was it um, we just saw kind of a big deal <laughs> seven uh just over seven thousand breweries right. operating this year in the u.s and four thousand of which are using this seal and 85 so that, that actually At shows 4, you a little 000. bit more yeah. the seven thousand over four or four thousand divided by seven thousand, you're going to get a number that's close to what eighty percent? No, yeah. sixty-five, seventy percent, I guess, somewhere in that range. I think um, if you were to look at eighty-five percent here, that's a big difference. So it's volume. Eighty-five percent of the volume has that on it. Yeah, Brittany, do a little calculation. Fifty-seven percent. Okay. So a little over half and a little over two thirds or sorry, a little over three fourths of the beer um, 
that's being produced is independent craft. I think that goes back to the fact that you're seeing these big breweries that um, are more regional in nature, adopting it as quickly as they can. Mm-hmm. But your small independent local craft brewery doesn't even need to. There, yeah. it's not, they could still do it. They just haven't. You yeah, know, why do I need to do, do this? Do. Yeah, there are a, a number of local breweries around here that just don't use it. And it's not out of, you know, making some kind of statement or anything like that. Cause they're part of the Brewers Association, yeah. but they just haven't felt the need. Like they're like, we don't have to show you that this is a craft product considering you have to come down here to get it. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say it's, it, it can only go so far. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it only, you know, it's literally the neighborhood bar yeah. or brewery specifically, which is actually a great transition into <laughs> our next statistic here. Uh, community hubs. And uh, this is really something from the get-go that we saw in Cincinnati, and it might be really how Cincinnati's fostering such a large craft beer community. Uh, They're saying 85% of 21 and up adults live within 10 miles of a brewery. It's easier than ever to tour or visit a local brewery. That's, yeah. (laughs) Now. That makes sense. This is a... This is a bias that you see. I, I wouldn't call it confirmation bias, but it's a bias because... I, don't, I can't remember. It's like two-thirds of the U.S. population live in cities anyways, yeah. or, or oh, more than yeah, that. Yeah. So you're seeing, if you are living in a city, you're going to find a craft brewery in a city. So it's yeah. it's those folks that are country, those aren't going to see it. That being said, you know, for the first time in a few years, I could say I live within 10 miles of a craft brewery, probably. So um it's just sort of a a new changing thing even the smaller cities are starting to get or, or will soon yeah yeah <laughs> indeed all right well uh also we've got 95 percent reinvesting craft brewers are reinvesting their tax and uh, tax savings from uh recalibrated federal excise tax into beer Two, purchase new equipment, hire new employees, increase employee benefits, increase charitable contributions. Uh, yeah, that one's not very sexy. So <laughs> No, not very sexy. And when you also think about it, some breweries aren't by choice uh, increasing employee benefits. And <laughs> yeah, uh, Well, and this isn't here for us. Right. This, this is, is for... here for the lawmakers that are mm-hmm. getting ready to have to vote on extending those tax benefits because they expire at the end of now i can say this year um 2019 they'll expire and so if you don't uh, i think it's 2019 or 2020 either way they expire very soon and so if you don't get those folks on board and say okay this is how small business works you give us tax breaks so we can go ahead and reinvest that money they're just going to say oh yeah we we didn't take as much tax money from you as we could have we're going to change that and so it's a change of, I think, somewhere close to about $14 or $13.50 per barrel of beer that you sell that you save. So, And that's just straight tax off the top that you'd be paying one way or the other. Um, it goes from like $16 a barrel down to three fifty a barrel. Okay, yeah. No, that's a pretty big shift. Yeah. So uh, this past year, uh, 391... <laughs> Beer entries were made at the Great American Beer Festival in what category? Hazy. Hazy IPAs. Well, actually, it's the new category of juicy or hazy. Yeah. Juicy or hazy. 
So, um, and someone was someone went to this particular event and got to witness it firsthand. I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> so, about 391 beer entries were made into the category of juicy hazy IPA, the most entered category out there, and probably surpasses what we saw a few years ago with your uh, your IPAs, standard IPAs. Yeah. In that category, I remember that. So when we first started the show, before all of us were really into IPAs, and we're looking at like everyone's going on like just the massive amount of IPAs and double IPAs that were being entered, and it was just like every year, everyone's just going, "Well, how many?" Like it kept doubling, and it was just insane. Everyone's like, "Oh, this IPA thing," and then it just like a complete shift to hazy. (laughs) Yeah, well, and it it is a trend everyone jumped on real fast. Yeah. And that could be another thing to talk about, as you saw the counter trend to hazy IPAs come out of nowhere this year with the brute IPAs, which ever like even the major major guys have gotten onto. We've already got two uh, commercially available nationwide from mm-hmm. uh, New Belgium and from Sierra Nevada. Yeah, both of them have a brute IPA that you can get in six packs now. I haven't seen the brute IPA um, from either one of those companies yet. I need to check that out. Because I actually do like Brutes. Um, I think the trend toward extreme has been backing off. Uh, I think more and more it's more of a, let's just drink beer. And to be perfectly honest, I think it has a lot to do with the culture of of just the news media and everything else out there. We see so many extremes all day long. We just want something that's nice to, to just sit back and relax and, and drink and not something that's going to punch you in the face like a... 150 IBU <laughs> IPA. It's it's the next extreme is moderation. And so that's going to be real interesting. <laughs> the next extreme is moderation. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to be a bumper sticker. <laughs> if only. All right. So we've got uh, our, our final number here coming in from the Brewer Association. And this is actually a really important one. Is uh, They're counting 1.1 million home brewers that are a part of uh, the association. So that's because uh, they have the American Homebrewers Association. And yep. I'm guessing that's where this number is coming from. But over one million... Well, so this is probably... I know there aren't a million <laughs> homebrewers in the association. Otherwise, we would you know, we would have a lot of cash. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> those are $35 dues a year. So uh, we would be doing a whole gangbusters on that end. But I'm pretty sure that they probably use um, numbers from... Uh, basically sampling just to see hey what what does this area have as far as makeup of of homebrewers and doing some studies that way and they also may go in with the larger producers and or the larger distributors of homebrew and equipment and homebrew oh, supplies yeah. and say hey can you tell can you give us a list of your accounts or something like that or yeah. addresses that you ship to yeah that'd be a better way to do it but uh the one over 1 million home brewers produced more than 1.4 million barrels of beer equal to 1% of the total US beer production. Now there is a survey that goes around to home brewers every year and that's probably where they got the volume of beer. Yeah. Um, but if you take those numbers and extrapolate it out, if I'm a member of the Brewers Association or uh, Home Brewers Association, I'm probably brewing more beer than that person who basically just got a kit the past year. Yeah. So all right. Well, uh, that has been a lot of talk, and it has made my mouth dry. I don't know about your guys's. So we are going to move on to our next variant, which is a variant that I've wanted to try ever since I finally heard about Bourbon County brand stout from Casey. 
And I had never, again, uh, the the barley wine was the only variant I had ever been able to try until right now. Sound of that as it gets poured. Gluck, 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 gluck. All right. When you guys want to introduce this variant. Quiet right now. <laughs> Um, so Bourbon County brand stout with vanilla added. So this comes in at 14.9% ABV, smidge smaller than the last one. Same IBUs, 60. Uh, 4.6 out of 5 on Beer Advocate, so roughly the same score there as well. Says this longtime favorite is making a long-awaited return to the BCBS roster. Utilizing whole grade A vanilla beans from Madagascar, this year's vanilla delivers on all the quintessential things fans love about this variant. Aromatic vanilla, marshmallow, toffee, oak, and floral notes, highlighting the creamy mouthfeel and enhancing the chocolate flavors that are ingrained in BCBS. Oh, so in the nose, I just get big vanilla bean. Yeah. Um, I'm getting... It kind of, it, for some reason, cupcakes just like flashed yeah. in my mind when I smelled this. Yeah. Like vanilla frosting. Buttercream. Buttercream. That's yeah. it. I'm getting uh, some traditional vanilla extract uh, flavors. Um, mm. Which, what's, so this is 14.9. What's the base beer again? 14.7. 14.7. Just a guess. Just a guess here. I would not be surprised if they soaked their vanilla beans in a liquor before they put them in this. Oh. And that's where you're getting a bump in your. Um, <laughs> Bob likes it, I think. It's where you're getting a bump of point point two percent. That's nothing. Um, if you soaked your vanilla beans in a liquor or a bourbon or something, then that actually brought out all the vanilla flavor. But then also sterilized your beans so you didn't have to oh, worry yeah. about dealing with with infections later on. Good call. That may be one of the ways that they've they've kind of worked this. Oh my! Right. Oh, I can. That is everything. I can mm. die now. That is super sweet. I can die now. I'm happy. Massive vanilla. Not what I expected. No. I... That vanilla does a lot of good things. They are saying, uh, yeah, whole, whole grade A vanilla beans from Madagascar. Yeah. I mean, you could almost. Tell me that this was some kind of extract or something because the vanilla is just so pronounced, mm-hmm. so, so big. But they just had, I mean, I would love to know the sheer amount oh, of yeah. vanilla per gallon. Yeah. Um, I do get the marshmallow. That's more of the yeah. flavor that I get more than just a standard vanilla. I get a, a marshmallow flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the floral. I could see the floral side of things as well with that flavor as well. I'm not picking up the floral, but that could just be my... My shitty palate. Wow. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not um, really getting a whole lot of floral notes. I am definitely getting like marshmallow, vanilla. I'm getting a little bit of toffee, maybe, but it's 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 so good. Just because they say they utilize whole grade A vanilla beans doesn't mean that they don't then take them and make a vanilla extract, extract. out of yeah. them. Yeah, um, <laughs> they utilize them to make this es- extract, exactly. which they then put in. Exactly. So that that very well. It could be a wording thing, um, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I don't know that they may have a video out there that proves it differently, but um, that is for sure something that is interesting, mm. nonetheless. Oh my gosh, 
No, no, no. Can we can we just hover on uh, hover on this one for a second? I wanna I wanna bask in it. It's so good. Mm. Oh, I think that one's at. We let that one get to perfect temperature. Still slightly chilled, yeah. and that okay. totally changes. Okay. Well, well, moving on to our next beer of the let's morning. Uh, let's give it a quick cleanse on our palates because a lot of flavor change here. <laughs> next up, I think. Well, no, this wasn't a first year for this one. They've done this one before. So this is going to be the Bourbon County brand Bramble Rye. And I have seen a lot of people going nuts in uh, trade groups trying to trade around to get a hold of this one. What are they trading for? Should we open it? <laughs> well, I've seen some crazy, crazy trades <laughs> for some of these, especially on Black Friday when people oh. realized they weren't going to be able to get all of them. Yeah. And it was mainly for the uh, wheat wine and the coffee barley wine. I'm okay with that wheat wine. That, that, that would be something I would definitely trade for. <laughs> I mean, I haven't had it, but I love wheat wines. Ooh, tart. <laughs> tart smelling. So does anyone want to take this and explain why it's tart smelling? This is not important, but the label color really messes me up. So there are some labeling things that happen with um, with Bourbon County. That are kind of messing with me this year because usually, so on these on the colors, uh, it is a purple label. I don't know how that's to me for because you said it's bramble rye, right? Yeah. So a purple label to me means like there should be wine involved. Oh, well, okay. There's like a, a like for some reason I associate green labels with rye because that's what usually like the, yes. the whiskeys do and things like that. So yep, that purple is like messing with my brain so the bramble <laughs> portion of this is raspberry and blackberry though oh, okay. so that's where you could almost get yeah. a, a fruit wine from those uh, so, okay. so blackberry I, I wine or whatever that. yep raspberry that makes more sense wine. yep all right uh someone want to tell us the rest about that one uh yeah we've got the uh bramble rye up it is a uh still stout that hasn't changed uh 12.7 percent so so pretty pretty large drop down compared to the yeah. in there with the standard. Yep. ABV coming down. Uh, well, like the the regular is like fourteen. Yeah. Oh, it is yeah, so juice and puree. Okay. Uh, so this one's still sixty IBUs, which I think is going to be the IBUs on. Yeah, they all they all come in, or at least they all report IBUs of sixty. Uh, at least in the stouts. Yeah. Huh. Uh, beer advocate beer advocate score of uh, four point three six out of five. Uh, and they say, for this variant, we aged the Bourbon County Stout in rye whiskey barrels, then added raspberry and blackberry juice puree from Michigan and Washington. Washington. The result is a complex, jammy fruit, uh, is complex jammy fruit notes that are prominent but well integrated with the caramel and chocolate fla- flavors of the beer and spicy rye characters, uh, character of the barrels. It smells like, I know it's not what's used, but it smells like grape jelly. Okay, foxy. Mm. Foxy yeah. flavors, yeah. Um, okay, so they add juice to this, juice and puree, which, from the way it's looking, this is probably pasteurized, then the juice is added after. Mm. Because it would re-ferment in the bottle if it weren't the case, if they added it to drop that ABV. Oh, that thing that, yeah, everyone... <laughs> Oh yeah, t- turn your turn your speakers up and hear us chew. 
but no, uh, that that tastes like jam. Yeah. yeah. No, it that straight up tastes jammy. <laughs> like I, I've had a number it of just got jammed. Like jelly flavored, jam flavored beers, and that's what this is. Brittany, Brittany took a sip. And not a fan. She is giving I don't us like the. Jelly. No, but that's what it tastes what, like, right? What do you put on biscuits other than gravy? Strawberry jelly. She, she Duh. Strawberry jelly is uh, her preserve of choice. Well, you know the difference what between about, jam and jelly. What about uh, what about peanut butter sandwiches? I've never seen strawberry jelly on a peanut. Butter I like sandwich. it. That's that's just never. different enough. Especially from a company like this. Yeah. That's not a Bourbon County Stout, though. That's a totally different beer to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it is the same base beer. It but is. It, it comes off... Compl- I don't get any of the... The coffee's not there. Maybe the tiniest of uh, chocolate. Maybe the tiniest, barest hint. But it's 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 almost like entirely just that. Like You just get a dark, thick, thick. warm, and then you get this nice tart and the jamminess. And- yeah, I'm just saying like that... that, that- jam that 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 bramble they're going for basically just overpowers everything yeah i don't get in i get no rye no no Uh, well and i don't uh, they say it's a rye but from what i'm seeing here it's only rye whiskey barrels it's not even in it's not even having rye in the malt bill this is just yeah because i'm thinking it's like oh was that like a little bit of spice and i was like no that's just like that extra little tang of that tart sour from the 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 grape yeah, so, to me, rye tastes a little dusty. Um, yeah, but I'm really this is this is just from my understanding of the way this is done. They just take one base beer, the Bourbon County. They brew just this one recipe of Bourbon County, and then change it in these multiple ways after the fact. Mm-hmm. And so, it's a a little way mm-hmm. to to kind of do that. All right, <laughs> the most drinkable of all of these so far. Yeah, to, to me, to me. Oh yeah, that's oh, why I was sitting here. Yeah. I'm kind of sitting a little of these aside, looking at that one, going, "I could just sip this one down and be fine." Yeah, I, no, I think no, that the, the the most drinkable is, is the vanilla. vanilla. No, the vanilla is the like that is amazing. Yes, yeah, so I'm talking about like I could just I keep going and keep sipping this. The vanilla I set it aside, and this one I keep grabbing it like unconsciously and sipping I at it. I set the vanilla aside because I was told to set it aside. Huh. It, I, I, think, I was going to consume it all. Yeah, we didn't get Brittany's thoughts on the vanilla. I, I liked it. I liked the, the. It was good. It was because the, the buttercream is actually a thing in that. Um, mm-hmm. It's not just vanilla bean, which is a specific other flavor. Uh, but no, I, I, I'm not a fan of the bramble rye at all. I, I, I don't taste I like, rye. I, I don't like grape jelly. I don't. I'm normally a fan of berry flavors. Mm-hmm. This is. It, it's got a weird taste to it that I can't pinpoint. That I'm not a fan of. I like it. It's just like once you've once you've had perfection, it's hard to try other beers. Yeah, yeah, that gets in the way when that you've was, had. <laughs> I'm just. I'm sorry. That vanilla is just going to haunt me now. That I'm, is ex- I'm more so excited good. to try the next one, but before that, we do have. Yeah, uh, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, what was going on this year, and uh, there is uh, an analytical company, Smart Asset. That has been out there. Uh, I think everyone's been going by their guides for a few years now, uh, reporting on basically best cities to get a beer in. So, and they're the ones who originally gave us uh, Asheville, North Carolina, as Beer City USA. I think it comes from how they get their numbers. 
But just six years ago, the Census Bureau estimated that there were only 880 breweries in America. Dark Think, times. Dark times. 880 breweries in America, and we're now over 7,000. Yeah, that's, that's some that crazy escal- growth. That escalated quickly. But the craft beer revolution took off. Calcioni threw a trident. <laughs> yeah. Uh, took off by 2016, and Census Bureau pegged that number at 2,802. Uh 2,605 of which belong to the microbrewery category. In fact, nearly one in four U.S. countries can boast as to having a beer brewery within its borders. That all creates a healthy buzz for local economies. Those microbreweries employ 55,000 workers. Not uh, not anything to sneeze at. So if we could uh, scroll down, we'll get into some of these num- findings that they were coming up with. So they're saying that uh, if, if we take the five factors that they use to come up with these numbers, uh, five factors to rank the best cities for beer drinkers, specifically they took a look at the number of breweries, breweries per 100,000 residents, bars per 10,000 residents, the average number of beers per brewery, and the average price of beer. So you got a lot of things playing in here. Uh, they said to check out their data and metho- methodology below to see where they got all their data. All right, so uh, <laughs> just jumping into these top cities for beer drinkers. So this is where we had Asheville, I think on all lists, has been dethroned, but according to theirs on Smart Asset, uh, is dethroned. And number one is Portland, <gasps> Oregon. Oh, sorry, Tyler. Yeah, uh, <laughs> don't worry. The other one, it's a, it's a Portland sandwich in the top three. So number one is Portland, Oregon. Number two is Asheville, North Carolina. Number three is Portland, Maine. Mm. Number four, Cincinnati, Ohio. I disagree. <laughs> number five is oh. Bend, Oregon. Six, Duluth, Minnesota. Seven, Denver, Colorado. I think that Denver, there's no way. Or something like one of those things has to be playing in like price, like the prices for beers in Denver have to be outrageous or something. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> Tyler in the chat. We're number three, and we're Cincinnati. Number three. We're number four. We're number four. Uh, so we'll go ahead and scroll on down so we can get into exactly what's playing in on these numbers. So Portland, Oregon, uh, the city of roses is also fond of hops and malted barley, according to their analysis. Portland is awash in beer. Ranking in the top 10 for both breweries per 100,000 residents and bars per 10,000 residents. Most notably, Portland has 67 breweries, which equals about 10.34 breweries per 100,000 residents. Uh, With such craft brew variety in the city, even the pickiest beer connoisseur could find something suited to his or her palate. So uh, the, the number two choice uh, here, someone want to tell us about where we're also going in February? Yeah, we're heading on down to Asheville, North Carolina. Heading on down to Asheville town. <laughs> uh, you, can't, uh, you almost can't go anywhere in Asheville without running into a brewery. The city of uh, 92,000 has 26 breweries. It's the highest density, density of breweries per resident with more than 28 breweries per uh, 100,000 people. Uh, Asheville also offers a substantial craft beer scene with nine uh, with nice variety. It ranks 21st for bars per 10,000 residents. Unfortunately, drinking here will do no favors to your savings account, as the cost for a pint of here, 
pint of beer here is above the study average. So that's probably what hurt them and knocked them down because it is a low population area in Asheville. And it's a huge, like one of the things that can support the number of breweries that they have since the actual population can't is it's a big destination town. Yeah, that's the that's the key. You don't have to have the population living there. You just have to have the population that will stay in a hotel room one night and drink your beer. Exactly. Coming in on uh, Portland, the other shining Portland, uh, East Coast Portland, as they say here, cracks, <laughs> cracks the top three of four. Biggie Portland. <laughs> cracks the top three for the fourth year in a row. I think it was second last year. Yeah. Um, this is another city where the total number of breweries may not blow you away, but the per cap, but on a per capita basis, Portland ranks number two for brewery density. Portland has a total of 18 breweries, equal to just under 27 per 100,000 residents. So it's got more, more, like the number of residents had to actually increase to. Hell, was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The city also ranks in the top 15 for bars per 100,000 residents, meaning you shouldn't have too much trouble finding an open seat at your local watering hole. Finally, Portland is a fairly affordable city to drink. Your favorite amber liquid. Why does it have to be amber? <laughs> uh, the average pint here costs $4, the second lowest in our top 10. That is very nice. That's one way to pick out a brewery scene yeah. is where the beers are $4. Exactly. If you can go and you're getting... Uh, big stouts and porters and things like that for four dollars that's pretty nice or if you're getting a big imperial ipa for four dollars if it's a craft lager i don't care if yeah. it's four bucks that's yeah no i it's a craft lager i'll still drink it anyway yeah four bucks yeah that's that's a good beer i drink that for four dollars <laughs> well you got four dollars for the beer dollar for the tip you're good to go five bucks beer after beer all right um next up we have cincinnati ohio uh a little bias on our parts so I'm not. I'm still wondering where they got this number, but it says that it's home to 25 different breweries. So that's within the city, city limits. limits. So it doesn't oh, okay. count Newport or and, and yep. Mason. And all. Okay, gotcha. Uh, that's annoying. So uh, good enough for 14th, but due to a fairly large population, those 25 breweries equal just 8.3 per 100,000 residents. That leaves Cincinnati beer drinkers facing the possibility of sobering lines to get into their favorite brew pubs. One intoxicatingly attractive metric for beer drinkers in Cincinnati is the variety of beers on offer at breweries. The average brewery in Cincinnati produced nearly 100 different beers. That is kind of, yeah, the, the number of beers is insane. Yeah. Everywhere you go, there's like 20 plus tap handles, all of them with something different. We've got places that specialize in IPAs, specialize in New England, specialize in sours, like... It, there's you you get a good variety here, and I want to say the lines. It's not that big of a problem because again, with they're talking about the number of breweries within the city limits. Yeah, but there are a lot of breweries where lines are a big problem. Like try, if you try to go to the Mad Tree on a weekend, sometimes it's just like a week evening, and it the lines are absolutely insane. That place is always exploding, like two thousand plus people in there. Yeah. Uh... So yeah, I could I could get that because it's it's crazy in there sometimes. <laughs> Gets a little nuts. Uh, before we continue down this list, <laughs> yeah, Tyler in the in the chat he came to visit and went to Mad Tree saying it was insane. It is in the membrane. It is it's one of the, the hottest brain. hottest spots in town. Not necessarily hottest breweries, but it is a happening night spot. But let's go ahead and revisit our uh, our base. Oh, 
and our reserve and see because they've come up to room temperature now. And then the noses are kind of dead. I, I get a big chocolate coffee hit off the reserve now. I was going to say the, the, the base is just swirl it. Just, just chocolate. Yeah, there we go. Very similar noses to me. Yeah. All right, let's go into our base Bourbon County Stouts 2018. Mm. That well, tartness kind of backed off. That that tussiny flavor. I, a little. Still getting it. I'm getting. I'm getting it still, but it's like. Mm. I'm getting a hardcore. As I, soon as I tasted it, I've got that like medicine numbing taste. Yeah. I was feeling getting in your that tongue. feeling, but I was getting it like I just had like a big bunch of like dark chocolate or something hmm. i'm getting just a uh, like a coating mm-hmm. yeah i get i agree with uh with bob here that i'm getting kind of a dark chocolate bitter now yeah that could just be something coming from the coffee going with it but i'm Maybe. still not getting a huge coffee note even after letting this warm up and that is disappointing mm. i don't get coffee on either of them so um. reserve reserve to me a lot thinner I, I, I think I prefer the reserve still. At yep. room temperature, it hasn't changed vastly, either of them, for me. Mm. Yeah, reserve. The, it's still gone. Like, there's no, that aftertaste isn't there. Yeah. Which is I, totally different. Last year, the Knob Creek wasn't as good Yeah, as well, the traditional. Better than... It is. It is. <laughs> uh, but, no, like, the, I'm, I'm, it is thinner. Like, it's even thinner than before, if it, it kind of feels mm-hmm. like anyway. But it's... The flavors are more pronounced. Yeah, uh, but it's still still boozy. Yeah, yeah, packing yeah. packing a boozy boozy punch there. So I think, uh, do we want to go ahead and lay that consensus down? The uh, the reserve is better than uh, the traditional Bourbon County. Mm-hmm. I think the traditional Bourbon County yeah. needs a few needs a year. Needs so some aging of, to back off. Yeah, and the reserve is. I'm reserve excited. Is, is like real close to where I want it wanted it to be. Yeah, next year uh, we'll try and do a vertical because I'm sure they'll do the reserve again next year. And I've been putting some back, and we'll wait and see how those look in a vertical tasting. But right now, fresh. I mean, I drink those reserves fresh. They are yeah. fantastic fresh. Get, you want to move on them? You want to yeah. move on to the next uh, beer, beer or not beer, but stout that we've got here, and before we finish out this list, yeah, yeah. I think so. yeah. Uh, so next up is our final stout in the list, and we there's, will move on to the other. There <laughs> yeah, is no sounds st- good. <laughs> it's like there's not else but stout. What are are we getting a stout fatigue here? No, no, I just meant. There is, uh, there are no beers, only stouts. <laughs> well, we were doing three, two at a time, and the next one, we we don't need to do the barley wine and then skip over to the wheat wine. Wait in between, so we want to do those back to back. I am so excited for this one. Yeah, so, I'm just gonna put that out can there. You, not, you can't just hide it. I have are cheated. You about to lose control. <laughs> I've cheated, and uh, a buddy brought one to um, uh, Dark Charge Day, and we drank that while waiting in line. I've already had this one. And it is pretty good. So this is, well, we'll start talking here a little bit about trends, uh, what we've noticed for the year. Trends and forces. And this one is a definite trend that came out of nowhere this year. And this is with the uh, orange peel and uh, cacao nib added bourbon county brands. Cocoa. Sorry. 
Chikau we know the difference nib. now. Chikau yeah, nibs. we did a whole episode talking about these kinds of things. But Chris, what about Chikau nibs? Chikau. Different. That's a hazelnut kind of thing. So I know, but I'm... oh, just watching that bead of it run down the bottle. Just lick it. Gets Get me semi erect. Alright, someone wanna tell us the stats on that bad boy? Those are some real thin pants. Don't don't get any level. <laughs> oh <laughs> cutest little sneeze. Achoo. So, uh Brittany. Yeah. Um So yes, the one I'm excited about. Uh Bourbon County brand stout with orange peels and cocoa nibs oh. added. 15.2% ABV, so we've gone back up on the ABV compared to the last one. Same IBUs as 60, uh, 4.3 out of 5, so still above the 4s um, as far as ratings go. The brewer's description says, uh, Brewer Oscar and quality analyst Paul created the concept for this new variant of BCBS. The result, Midnight Orange. They combine two things we love, orange and chocolate, taking Bourbon County into a new and exciting direction. While the chocolate complements the Bourbon County base, the orange zest offers a point of contrast for a bold new flavor profile to delight Bourbon County fans and newcomers alike, with dual inspiration from a favorite childhood treat and an exquisite Mexican mocha, the bright orange aroma provided uh, by this fresh Spanish orange peel leads into a rich cocoa flavor. They did a really good job extracting the orange. In this, the orange aroma, at least. So the uh, nose, I get just massive chocolate, like that. Really? The cocoa nib, huge on mine. So uh, this is one. You know how we, you know, in some of the episodes in the past, we've talked about fake fruit and fake fruitiness. Yeah. This is no. This is the real deal all the way. This is this is the good I was stuff. Say like I'm smelling smelling orange. Hey, Alvaro. I okay. smell rich chocolate, like. Yeah, that's when you swirl it around, you it can smells get like a you full... just opened a dark chocolate bar. Yeah, like that's exactly what it smells like to me. Mm. Mm. What before? I, right as I was going to take a sip, suddenly like this nice citrus kind of leaked in on the nose, and that is definitely orange peel, not orange yeah. pith. That's that's oh. that's the peel itself. Yeah, right there. Um, oh my and gosh. like a thin orange peel. I, I want to like I've never even Zest. seen a Spanish orange peel or a Spanish orange, but. I would, I would like call this the cuties that yeah. you get. Those that thin orange, very thin orange rind. It's so subtle. Tangerine almost. Yeah, very good. He likes it too. He just likes <laughs> Put that smell. on the passy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that is. Mm. So that's the most balanced that I've found from any of these beers. The most integrated flavor out of any they, of these. They both of the flavors they don't really meld to me. They exist yeah. side by side in equal parts. Like you're saying, like it's I'm like oh I can get all the chocolate notes. They're delicious, and then I'm like and I taste all the the citrus, the orange peel. Like it's all there, and they just meld perfectly together. Because uh, I was talking about I had this one while in line at. Uh, braxton for dark charge day and they did one of these but they did it in rye barrels and i wanted i mean the rye what what do you think that would do to this beer i mean you would expect it to spice it up but what we saw the other one was to rye didn't do anything to the rye bramble really i didn't get any rye there so the the rye barreling uh, for at least whatever because it will have been a different recipe that they use for their beer it kind of destroyed it Mm. like you lost all just too much the citrus just kind of died 
yeah. in it from that. And you just got this kind of chocolate rye and a kind of mishmash of uh, kind of a citrusy crossed into rye. I mean, you got to think you can only sell a beer for so much. So maybe they, by spending extra money on the rye barrels, they went cheap on the amount of orange that they put in it. So maybe they, they really pushed back on the orange or even did an artificial potentially on the orange. Yeah, that could uh, be the case. But this, oh, I'm just, I'm in love with this one. That was someone asked me uh, online. I never got to actually answer them um, because they saw my check into this one and then knew I was at Dark Charge Day where they were doing more. They're like, oh, so now that you've had both, uh, what do you think is superior? I think the Bourbon County is superior. Yeah. This is this is amazing. And we know, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Dragon's Milk, the variant that just dropped this week, is a chocolate orange variant. Yeah. So, And we may be getting to that one a little bit later in the day. We'll have to yeah. wait and see how time treats us. But uh, uh we'll, as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're running a little long, but who could who could blame us with this kind of a, a buffet? Well, while we're sipping on this one, let's hop over to our next story. Um, uh, it's really just our our thought. So no, just general. Just just what have you noticed this year? So yeah, the world trending with with this past year. Um, is this our predictions for next year after after we can get into that? Okay. Uh, so <laughs> the predictions episode when we were trying to put that together. Uh, apparently we didn't write down our predictions from last year and with everything going on this morning, we're not going to go listen through one to find which New Year's Eve episode we did that in last year to give you the predictions and see who's came true. Yep. We invite you to go do that I know yourself. I'll win. That's, that's the key. I'll win. But we'll say, <laughs> there were a lot of trends that we started discussing already in this episode. Yeah, we, that we've noticed we had been year. mentioning one, but like this is the year that like craft loggers are really... Hitting, hitting that, big and hitting hard. You that know? was someone's prediction. I do that, not know whose, but uh, someone predicted that loggers, loggers were coming back into style, and they did in a big way. I I, I feel like in the last couple of years, I've been saying it's going to be craft pilsners and craft loggers are going to start being more and more, and yep. founders coming out with solid gold, which is that's that's lawnmower beer right there. Yep. Yeah, and even uh, down to the. Uh, you're like neighborhood craft breweries. A mm-hmm. lot of them in this area have started putting out just like there's a lager. It's just there's like here's your your beer ass beer right here it is. Um, uh, and there are people flocking to these. That's Braxton put started putting out. They call it the garage beer. It's yeah. meant to fill your garage refrigerator the, and always be there for you. I'm trying to think of the name of the one that's an ethereal because uh, it's not. They didn't actually make a lager, but their their most basic whatever is it's a style you wouldn't think but it gets them close close enough to like a a, a pilsner or, or like a, a cream ale no it's not their cream ale it's it's um a farmhouse like a light farm no no um bro just throwing crap at the wall seeing yeah i know I, like, seeing I, something will trigger that synapse to fire in his brain i'm wondering if it's their their goes or if robert it's, downey jr yeah we have seen a, a pacing yep. away from ghosts we mm-hmm. have, but they... And they... I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm not a big Ghost fan. I, I like a good I like a good one. They went so extreme with the salt and the sour. Yeah. I'm so glad we're moving away well, from ba- kettle sours. The, 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 um, what was the... Dogfish isn't moving thi- away from them. <sighs> thinking of that, uh, speaking of Ethereal, they started their canning and they had that, um, what was that, the Tropical Goes? Yeah, they did a Tropical Goes. Which was... Real nice, pretty solid, light, easy drinking. Yeah, uh, 
but no, like like the 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 craft loggers in general, like uh, we have said before, that loggering's harder than ale. Absolutely. So, well, and here's here's why this happened. Um, we were looking at extremes, and everybody was going towards these extremes, and you wanted to back off. But number two, those middle to large size breweries were growing so fast; they were putting out everything that they could, and they were ordering all these vessels to ferment in. And then you have a back off. So yeah. I've got excess fermentation space and excess time. I can take that one one vessel that was using this entire batch for one week of fermentation and say, you know what, let's just throw some lager in there and we can let that set for three weeks, four weeks, because we're really not going to be using that vessel again. So let's make a lager and expand out the, the process. It was perfectly set up so that with that back off of, of, uh, of the growth pattern, but the excess of space, you could create these beers that took a little bit more time. Um, you're going to see that I think continue a little bit more and, and pass down. Although for the large regionals, it was a necessity thing. Then for your locals, it's going to be something that they're going to have to increase space for. Yeah. They're not, they're not, they're going to be hurting to try to create loggers instead of doing it the opposite way. But your regionals are really pushing it that direction. Um, it may be going the route of instead of me buying a Budweiser or a Bud Light, I'm buying this craft logger that isn't, totally different from butter but light but it's made by somebody else and i'm paying twice as much for it yeah so but you know you don't hate them no <laughs> no exactly despite it's, the plethora of anheuser-busch product sitting in front of us yeah, yeah. that i am very much enjoying that's like i will be a hypocrite all day long drinking bourbon bourbon candy brand stout because this stuff is still amazing like anything that we're nitpicking it is still fantastic it's a very good beer um so That's also, right. this year we're seeing this middling, but we're all like the extremes still very much exist. And um, so last year we saw a big rise in the Mexican hot chocolates, those uh, big spiced chocolate barrel aged stouts. Mm -hmm. They were everywhere. Everyone was trying to come in and do one of those. Chocolate and then, mesa. as we were talking, about it, yeah, and we're talking about this year. We already had the one that they did for Bourbon County, but it's this chocolate and orange thing. That just shot up. I'm like, I was really confused. I hadn't really seen it as uh, flavors in a beer, but every year there's a barrel aged stout locally that they always do a chocolate and orange variant. And then suddenly, when they these started creeping in, I was like, oh, someone else is doing it. And it's like, and someone else is doing it. And now it's like, everyone's doing it. But it is a great contrast in flavors if it's done right. Yeah. Um, this past year, we saw bourbon barrels be a little bit harder for breweries to find, and bourbon barrel companies that were fake start popping up. <laughs> yeah, and then that's... Yeah. Which shows me that we're looking for something else. So, I really think that rum is a potential. We've we've been calling for, for more rum barrel. And yep. So, we saw that from uh, Founders. Yep. Gave us, they, took a, they took a good swing at rum barrel stuff. They didn't put a stout or a porter or something like that in it that's more traditional. And they went a real crazy route. Yep. What was theirs? Which one was the, the rum barrel? They just called it an ale, but that was the barrel runner. Oh, oh the barrel yep. runner. That's right. Okay. Yeah, they didn't really pin down a precise style on the barrel runner. Probably for good reason, because I still maintain that that's a good cocktail mixer, a beer cocktail. Yeah. It would boast great that way. Standalone, not, not fantastic. 
you could uh, watch us uh, plow through that uh, was, was last night, but it'll be the New Year's Eve special. Right. Um, what, what other big trends have there been this year? Uh, some big IPA shifts. So last year we saw the Haze Craze take hold, and then we saw the About Face this year with the birth, well, not really birth, but the popularization of the Brute IPA. Ah, uh, yes. Came flying in at like just under every radar, and before you knew it, you had some big players already having them out in the market before the end of the year. Because the first, uh, as we're recording this. Yeah. And right now, I know of at least two. New Belgium has a Brute IPA out in six packs, and Sierra Nevada has a Brute IPA out in six packs. You can find both of those in Asheville when we go. Uh, yes, we can get them direct from the source. Uh, but yeah, the, the... You know, the other thing is... We've been doing probably a bit more, uh, a bit less beer drinking, a bit more spirits and other. Yeah, we are a we are a drink show and not just a, a beer show. A beer show. So, um, I think 2018 was the year of kombucha. And oh yeah, there's uh, I local think breweries are even doing it around here. It's big. They're offering a kombucha, a mead. Like breweries are really branching out the hard seltzers. Yep. Mm-hmm. To the point that the Brewer Association is now allowing that they cut their allotments. Like, oh, you have to brew X amount of beer to be in the Brewers Association, and now it's just you need to brew some beer, brew right. a quantity of beer, and then anything else. My Whatever. my prediction for next year is the Brewers Association will change something about its requirements again. <laughs> I give it two years. M- most cer- I feel like they're on a two year cycle. Two year cycle. <laughs> uh, most certainly, when they make this change, it will be to keep uh, Boston beer uh, under in under, the fold. Uh, yeah, and they haven't grown. No. I mean, really, Boston beer has has kind of entrenched. So well, at least in their their beer, their beer side. side, the their- they're expanding elsewhere. Their ciders and their um, teas, uh, their, teas, their uh, uh, seltzers, those are where they're, they're show and growth. That's the, you know, admittedly for the seltzer, it just started. Yep. All it can do is grow. Yeah, but that's but, another thing we saw. So uh, last year, uh, if you were talking about like the, what, would that be the alternatives that we kind of covered? Uh, where, where you see like the hard sodas and things? Yeah. Yes. We saw a huge boom and like a spike in those and then they're dead. A bunch of no yeah, one's saw, no one's drinking those anymore. They're just kind of just throw the dirt, not, put those coffin nails in because hard seltzers just came in. Seltzer. <laughs> hard seltzers came in and just buried them. It's just like that scene in Step Brothers. It's like uh, the hard sodas and things were like laying there, and they wake up with dirt being thrown. He's like, "What are you doing? I'm burying you." <laughs> uh, I would look toward um, trends with new barrel types. Let me say that. I, I would I would almost see a barrel aged seltzer being something that comes. Probably. I, I, I so gin barrel aged seltzer. Founders there founders will do it because founders barrel aged malt liquor. Yeah. Well like they're getting close to that anyways. What other what other uh So we saw locally um <laughs> locally there's some breweries barrel aged IPAs. Let's get back to the classics, right? Yeah, barrel aged IPAs and Founders has made it almost a meme if you follow them on social media. It's like so we're we're starting some experimentation on what we're gonna barrel age this year. You guys like the barrel aged IPAs, right? And it's a big point that a lot of people really criticize them on the barrel aged IPAs. A lot of people do not like them. I'm just like we're doing some experimenting here at Founders. Someone just in the back. I got some more barrels in. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the only thing you experiment with, isn't it? And pot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I could definitely see 
gin barrels would be a good one because that's locally uh you have, there's a company that's putting uh, a colch which you wouldn't think of barrel aging that but they're putting a colch into gin barrels so every both of those are so light in flavor that you do get some it would be so fatty though uh, not fatty but fat e it would yeah. be in and out it would be something i think i think that lasts like six months and then we we're done <laughs> we're done with that um so i was making a joke about about something but i do it's not going to hit its peak but the next fatty thing that we're going to start seeing is going to be more of that THC or or CBD. Yeah, there's a lot of investments there. They're starting now. We're going they've to start got a, seeing them. Well, they've got to get uh, some legislation changed right. and that's passed why, before. That's why that's more of like a <laughs> vodka barrel aged beer. Well, I, vodka's not really going to barrel. So well, there are some so, new barrel aged vodkas that are really? coming out. So that's guys, guys. What if I want a I want a bourbon barrel aged vodka. Yeah, the, the, is it still vodka at that point? So, no, technically. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm like. Um, there is, I think it, it cannot go into a barrel and be called vodka, but <laughs> unless it's a neutral barrel or something along those lines. But uh, but there are some, what are they, barrel rested instead of barrel aged. Barrel rested, okay. Um, but, but yes. Um, I at would, that point, we're just pouring, we're like, this vodka needs something. Are you pouring bourbon into it? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Flavor back. Um, but yeah, I think that that's definitely a trend that we could start looking forward to is is the addition of THC a- into seltzers, non-hard seltzers, but seltzers, seltzers, and then the addition of CBD oils into other things. Depending on where the feds finally decided, I know they changed laws a little while ago, or we're looking at changing some laws about CBD oil. So there could be a potential for CBD oil beers. Um, very much how there's a hemp beer. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that was uh, with some of the legislation up. New Belgium was um, saying because someone was going to up the amount of uh, THC products, even though there is no THC in the hemper, but uh, some of those other elements from uh, hemp and marijuana that you can use. And someone was, I can't remember the legislation that was going to like double or triple it. And that's when New Belgium immediately started tweeting out, and to the senators who were sponsoring the bill, they're like, hey, who wants to get a real big hamperer next year? Um, I think this is the year of the first... Throw that stuff away. I want to say first raid, but this is the year I think that you're going to see the first big lawsuit start, or the first big, uh, big legal thing happen with THC... Uh, and CBD in beer. Who's I think s- someone's going to sue Lagunitas. Well, it, it may be Lagunitas because <laughs> no, they it's going to be Lagunitas. They had the issue that they had their shutdown where they were basically having huge parties and and smoking weed, and so I don't know if you'll see that because now they're wholly owned by Heineken. Right. So that's a, that's a very good point. That may not be them, but it, there's other folks in the market that could do very much the the same thing and and have very similar Russian River. Could be mm, yeah. sort of similar. I, I don't know if they've got the same level of uh, kind of thumbing your nose towards the um, towards the feds, but uh, something similar maybe. So we'll see how all that goes. Um, I would like. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I would like to see more cocktail mixer beers. Yes. Um, oh, definitely. Sort of add your own juices. So that was um, no. When- yeah. Last year, when I don't we, want to put my juices in. Oh well, no. <laughs> fresh year, juices. Last year when we were in Utah and we stopped by uh, that little brewery, and beer cocktails were a big thing on on the menu there. Yeah, and that's and driven by law. Um, 
your your brewing establishments traditionally haven't been allowed to serve liquor. So that's been a, a law push that direction. Um, I would also say that you're going to see a tropical tiki revival. Uh, you, you know what? I'd be cool with that. We need to do a tiki drink episode. Yeah. Um, well, tiki drinks are going to be, like, they've already started this year as being a big deal. Um, yeah. There's a new book that came out that was a big tiki drink book. But I'm thinking on the beer side, you're going to see more pineapple, guava, uh, lily koi, uh, passion fruit, uh, dragon fruit, things like that. I can't think of tiki drinks, though, without thinking of that it, that uh, old podcast. Uh, oh, podcast. Yeah, Dr. Tiki. Dr. T- yeah. That was on uh, Revision 3. Yeah. That was a thing. Yeah, that was a good show. Uh, that that one passed me by. Oh, we'll have to go back and watch. <laughs> All right, we? we'll we'll keep this conversation hey, going, but we're going to go a ahead and purge of old revision three stuff. Oh, so ooh. like Discovery owned them, and they just oh they just yeah, drop all this crap. So uh, we're going to move. We've done all the stouts, but we still are in Bourbon County brand. So we're going to. Move into now. This is my most anticipated beer out of all of these. So this is the Bourbon County brand coffee barley wine ale. Fingers crossed. I like it more than the last one. <laughs> oh, all right. When you guys wanna wanna give us some stats while I give us some pours. Yeah, yeah. This is uh this is the barley wine. Uh, it is uh, coming in at fifteen point one percent ABV. So. Not the highest we've seen, not the, but but above average. Uh, Sixty IBUs, uh, four point three one out of five. So that's one of the lower ratings we've seen, and that's like talking about very tiny differences in these ratings. Is I wonder if the barley wine beer advocate score takes into account just this year, or if it's, it's all years. Ones. That's what I was thinking. So yeah, about this is the, yeah. There have been other years of this one, so that is how it will. Like the beer advocate scoring is not just for this year's because uh, you can't you can't find vintages just, at least on these beers except for the base beer. That's the only one I think you can find any vintages on. But other than that, so that's a horrible. Um, that's Great. a horrible thing because barley wine had the infection last year or a year before. Well, I mean, this is the coffee barley wine. Well, so okay, it'll have its own. It's been years since they did this. Okay, one. it'll have its own own. Yeah, it's own separate thing. Well, uh, very light compared to some of the others. Yeah, no, they say, uh, working with our, with our friends at Intelligentsia, we flew down to Guatemala to source some of the world's best coffee to use as we released the first ever, first ever coffee barley wine. Uh, the beer is a English-style barley wine, meaning malt-forward and aged four-plus years in old Heaven Hill bourbon barrels uh, before adding La Soledad... Coffee beans, uh, right before packaging to retain the bold coffee aroma and flavor. Yeah, that was that's one of the things to keep in mind here. Uh, the coffee did not make it into the barrel; it was added just before packaging. I would. So the barrels were dumped, and then coffee added. This is it smells like it. This is so so close to the stouts. Without having that roastiness, it's such a similar aroma. Okay, it's gonna sound oh. it's gonna sound weird, but I'm just gonna give you the the, the first oh. thing that popped in my head when I took a sip of that mashed potatoes. 
can see where you're coming from. No, but, yeah, I can see where you're coming from completely with that. Um, I don't get that, but I, I can see where it's coming from. This, <laughs> this beer is the exact same beer as Bourbon County, minus the... the medicinal? No, minus the dark yeah. malts. Oh, okay, yeah. So this is, like, literally, the only thing that they've done is they've taken chocolate malt out of that beer and maybe some even black patent malt to lighten up the color just a bit, taking that out. This is the exact same beer otherwise. And it's not even lightened that much. You get no. There's a slight translucent quality It's now. not black. It's more of a, a reddish color or whatever. But, yeah. uh, but it's the exact same beer. Same yeast, same everything all the way through, same hops. The only difference, and it, I didn't even realize this until now, but 60 IBUs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's the same everything same except everything for else, no they, dark malts. Yeah. But I think that, I mean, that, that plussed it, this I will is, say. This is damn good. Now, I say mashed potatoes because it's the first thing that popped in my head. It it gets, it puts my, my mind in the mouthfeel of, like, fresh, I don't, I don't want to say there's a diacetyl flavor. I'm just saying, like, it's it's got a mouthfeel that's, like, smooth and... and whatnot in there it is delicious i i i, I approve mm. so the coffee although you can tell that it had the co- the coffee hasn't been in it that long yeah it's not like penetrating every part of it and everything there is this nice light coffee it's not a roasty coffeeness like you were talking about is just this nice coffee flavor washing over it i'm also laughing as i looked over it's like well, it has a bit earlier than normal just just a bit Day drinking 2019, says uh, Tyler in the chat. Uh, No better way to bring in the new year. That's that's what I thought. I mean, this is, we're not even done, but this is so far, a nice New Year's Day brunch. It is. Yes. Shots. (laughs) I mean, we could. We've still got some absinthe. There's there's a lot of burping if we do shots. So there's a lot of half-finished plastic cups of Bourbon County (laughs) variants. I have have them so I can go back over for, for evaluation purposes. Mm. Or for king's cupping. I mean, also that you could be a monster. What are you? Oh, you're trying. Are you trying the base? Mix the samples and drink them. I will. That's the king's but we've cup. We've got. We've got one more to go before I can do that. We still got another one. That oh. is almost identical. Me. Do they say coffee barley wine? So there's no chocolate used in that barley wine. No. Mm. Yeah. Get, That's almost identical. I'm getting less of it now that it's 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 set there a bit. Let's do that experiment. But, so you already did it. Did you just do it? Yeah. Am I behind? So, uh, I still get I still get a bit of cherry in the regular one. I get the cherry in this as well. I don't get it as much in this. I'm not picking it up in this. Uh, that could just be our palates. Could be. Uh, it's not a red. It's not a red cherry. It's like a, a cherry wood. No, 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 not even cherry wood. It's like, oh, it, well, I guess there's red cherry, but it's that dark red cherry that you get in the store, not like a maraschino. maraschino. Yeah. So, I completely get it. Is it weird for me to say this one doesn't feel as thin as, as the res- stout? <laughs> is that really that weird to me? So, body. The body is really robust. Look at that body. <laughs> Look at that body. That body's uh, got a few C's. In, that body's got <laughs> a few you. C's in that thick. Thick. <laughs> Oh. Um, <laughs> sorry that brought up other mm-hmm. bad memories. I I think it is. It feels the mouth feels much thicker, thicker than especially and, like for something like like the reserve, which we were saying is kind of thin because of. But the flavors, flavors are, are big and pronounced and, and really this good. This one is the flavors are are there, but it's like, it's also got the body. That booty got a nice jiggle. Oh my goodness! 
Anyways, moving on from the barley wine to the wheat wine. Wheat. Wheat wine. All right. One. Give me a second to get everything ready on this. Running out of table space to pour. I'm going to go ahead and mix these together. No, no. Or not. I mean, you could. Is Casey's going to go for the... Oh, the King's Cup. It's begun. I'm not King's Cup of mine. You stay away from mine. Keep them over there. I'm just getting you some more room for right now. I'll drink them here in a minute. So let's check out some color here. Oh, that's much nicer looking. So it's clear. We've talked about it, even brought it up in our game last night on New Year's Eve. Uh, there is a wheat wine that uh, we were at first. Free for right now. Yeah. We were not particularly fans of. That was the uh, Pilgrim's Dole from New Holland. We are still not fans of. You, what, you shut your mouth. I am. I will say Casey turned me... Turned me on to wheat wines. I just turned you on. I mean, that's, yeah. Wait till we get to Asheville and you get to Sierra, uh, Sierra Nevada store. They have a wheat wine oh. that you can't get anywhere else. <laughs> now, hopefully they still have it. So uh, this is the Bourbon County brand wheat wine ale. Uh, guess what? The style, it's a barrel-aged wheat wine. Coming in at 15.4%. Guess what the IBUs are? Oh. Just go ahead and take a stab. 74. No, no, no. It's 60. Fi- oh. Just like everything. Every one of these is 60 IBUs. So, beer advocate score of 4.28 out of 5. Uh, the brewery's description is... That might be the lowest one. Um, yeah, yeah, actually. I yeah. think it is. Uh, so, this is made from two-row and malted wheat. Bourbon County brand wheat wine is making its debut this year as the first recipe to veer from the original Imperial Stout since barley wine in 2013. Uh, wheat wine is a deep amber color, lighter than its Bourbon County brand stout counterparts. Yeah, this is, you can hold it up, and it's just a beautiful... I can see through it. It's not just a translucent, it's just a beautiful ruby red. Yeah. So, sure. uh, as a true medium uh, to convey the characteristics of a four-plus year aged in Heaven Hill bourbon barrels. So, completely, yeah, that uh, hopefully we'll see. Wheat wine is full of high caramel, vanilla, butterscotch, toffee flavors. <laughs> I can't see... Butterscotch, I can just start seeing the beginning of butt. Scotch. Buttscotch. And so I all, I couldn't even see scotch. I was like, butthole? <laughs> so. Okay, I'm going to rinse out the palate there before we dig in. <laughs> yeah, she reemerges. I want to try that one. That we want. But we didn't pour you one. We have, mo- <laughs> we have more in the bottle. It's just. <clears throat> no. I'll let you all taste this. I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> Before you uh, pass judgment. Yeah. I mean, hold... It's us. Oh, yeah. fine. There's beer. He wants it. Uh, uh, I can't help but when she walks into the room with the baby out of nowhere and look in the chat and see the go time baby. Well, that's what he thought. <laughs> okay, so... Ooh... This tastes the most... Well, I'll let Chris get his flavor before I say mine. Mmm, sweet. That that caramel, vanilla, butterscotch big in that, I think. This tastes like a Heaven Hill bottle. Yeah. Like, it tastes basically like Heaven Hill with bubbles. Mm. For me, it's too big. Too big? For... As thin as the, so as low as the IBUs are, mm-hmm. there's no balance for the sweetness that you get there. It's very sweet. It's very 
caramelly, but in that like overly butter caramel, like too much there. Um, there's not enough rich toasty yeah. to it in order to balance out the sweetness that's there. No, no, so it's I, just like a tablespoon of sugar. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I would agree with with most of that. It, it's it's basically all just bourbon barrel flavors is what it feels like. Yeah. It, it's not anything of its own. Big and boozy. And so like all these but other the, ones. Like I say boozy, but it's it's the flavor of the booze without the heat. All these other ones had like something balancing with it. This was yep. just like, yep, that's how that barrel tastes. Yeah, it's almost like if you took this and then added back into it some of the other chocolate or coffee or something like that, it would make it better. But mm-hmm. it's just like a, a very sweet... It's like high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> yeah. The the yeah, with the the, the, the marble. Yeah. yeah, Brittany's the, the giving her syrup. take on it. Yeah. Kind of like that. like a like a, a, a fountain syrup. Like, a, like fountain syrup going yeah. into a soda or something like that. That's yeah. kind of what she's saying. It's reminiscent of to her. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, she mentioned it as Japanese sodas, and we all went like with the balls, the marbles. <laughs> Um, yeah, for sure. But, it's all right. Um, so let's, let's before we before we start to wrap this up, um, any any other uh, trends you noticed this year? Moving away from beer, that's going to be your number one trend. Beer isn't going to be as popular as it used to be. Um, it's just time for cocktails to take back over, and so we'll see what happens in that that movement uh, as far as the national international scene goes. Um, Vine Pair seems to think you'll see more international breweries coming in. Um, I don't know about that. I, I still think there's a stigma going with imports because there is everyone finally woke up, and that's something we've talked about. Is you have like it has to be brought here, it has to be shipped, and a lot happens to it in that time, and we yep. can get a fresh product. So what you've seen is a lot of craft breweries here because Trying they to... they well they judge us over there by the IPAs, but they get them skunked by the time the other. Right. So you saw Stone sick of this go. Over, they're like, we're going to Germany. And we'll we show are them how it's done. Yeah, they put a brewery in there. Like we're going to give them fresh triple IPAs. And the Germans went, yeah. That's what this reminds me of. A triple. triple I, it does remind me of a triple. Yes. A triple. A Belgian triple. A Belgian That's triple. I, that is, I would completely I to, say that. Yeah, I was trying to figure out something about it too, and I was like, it's it's like a triple because yeah. it's it's boozy and it's sweet. Sweet. It's big. It's got all those um, almost a, a candiness to it. Uh. It's just missing some of the the, the bubblegum and clove. Yes, <laughs> it doesn't uh, have that. Those are esters, phenols, phenols usually. Yeah, because it's it's boozy and alcoholic, so it's a phenol. Esters are fruit. Yeah, usually. Yep. I'm. By, I, yeah, my usually. New Year's revolu- resolution is to not pass out when I hear that, and to be able to <laughs> to, to 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 try to distinguish them. Tyler says more collabs, and that would be much more doable than I would be an import, to... import. Well, Sierra Nevada has made import. a big habit now every year. They do a collaboration with a brewery in Belgium, so and they will put that out. Usually yep. it is coming into the fall, like when you start getting towards Oktoberfest season, that they'll put one of these out. But they are starting to do them almost yearly, so if we could start cranking those out at yeah. a constant rate and get more breweries in on this. We had uh, New Belgium... What was it? Uh, started a new uh, program with oh crap! What was the uh, the brewery they acquired this year that was uh, founded by 
I'm forgetting his name, that was one of the founders of Elysian. Oh. I know what you're talking uh, about. He left and started a little, uh, his like, own little, little Sours out. Brewery out in California. Yep. And then they joined in with New Belgium, and it's to make... Um, well, it's one of those Appalachian kind of beers where it's you know you, it has to be brewed in this particular region of Belgium or it is not actually that style of beer. I don't know sure. why I'm blanking like on a Flanders that. Red or something yeah something like, like that. that. But they are starting uh, like the world's first blendery in the U.S. for that style, and it had raised a lot of feathers because everyone was wondering whether or not they're going to start trying to label these beers as such. Yeah. Um. I could definitely see, speaking of California, I could also definitely see a lot of wine barrel-aged stuff coming through. I would be excited about yeah. seeing some more. I've had depending some... Depending on the style and depending on the beer, I would I would be down for that. Because wine's also having a little bit of a crunch right now. Um, they're looking for some additional outlets, so if they could start selling off some of their old barrels at a higher price than what they buy a new barrel, mm-hmm. then they could potentially do, uh, do a little bit more there. So, what do we think about... Should we, should we try to rank... Let's let's go for go for a ranking in this. What a, all right? Where are we? Let's just start. What's your favorite? But we'll just say, Casey, start with you. Um, what do you think? I liked the Bramble Rye best. It not because it has any rye flavor. It actually doesn't. It has no rye. It, it's just the uh, it's the most drinkable. It's something that has that berryness, the most that drink- tart, that acidity level yeah. got bumped up quite a bit, and makes it a lot more drinkable on that side. It's quaffable in the fact that you want to take another drink of it's it. It's refreshing. It is. It like is. it's light on your palate. A lot of these are huge and yep. just weigh you down, and you just kind of want to take a drink of water, kind of wash it out of your mouth, and rest for a minute. You want to taste, but you don't want to drink the whole thing. The, yeah, that bramble is the only one of these that I actually want to drink the whole thing. Um, second being the the traditional Elijah Craig okay. stout, so the the special reserve, um, and third being the uh, orange. Okay, what's your least favorite? Um, the wheat wine. Okay. Yeah. Really, the wheat wine's your least favorite. Wheat wine's my least favorite, just because it's too sweet. I can't like I, I took one or two sips of it, and that was it. And then vanilla and orange and coffee bar line just kind of exist in the middle. Uh, so, so orange was three. Orange was three. three. Okay. Um, the traditional and the traditional, the vanilla is probably right above. Um, yeah, probably right above the wheat one. Barley wine's up there in the top, like right below, and then your traditional's right there in the middle. Okay. So, uh, so it's probably the bramble rye reserve orange. Barley wine, traditional, vanilla wheat wine. All right. So, Justin, let's get you first. Okay. Um, Yeah, because I'm trying to work out which one. Oh, you're trying. I'll go first. I'll go before you then if you're still trying to hammer it out. There's a couple. I'm trying to make sure I know which one I like more. All right. Since I'm going to try and crane my neck here, I've uh, I've moved into the producer's booth. Uh, Brittany had to step out to take care of the baby. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and I can definitely say my my favorite is the vanilla. It's it's like a vanilla cupcake. It is absolutely something to behold. It's everything I ever dreamed it could be. Like it lived up to my expectation, and that is I've had like five years of expectation building towards trying that beer. Um, close behind, I would uh, go ahead and paste uh, the reserve, the Elijah Craig Reserve comes in because that one is still just fantastic as well uh let's follow up behind that with the coffee barley wine for me i loved that 
then kind of existing side by side, we'll say the uh, chocolate orange and uh, bramble rye. They're both really good. Bramble rye is more drinkable. That is, I mean, you could just not even pour it into something that I could just pop the top on that thing and just drink it straight out of that bottle and just go through that whole 16 ouncer by myself. Let me, let me say this as far as drinkability though, that's the, but the only one that I would buy multiples of, or I would actually go into the store and, and try to stand in line for would be the Bramble. Like I may have liked some of these others a little bit differently, but the Bramble's the only one that I would probably stand in line for to drink because I know I want to drink a lot of it, not just try it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess that was rounding out. It's not. I, it it feels like it's saying it's a bad beer, and to me, it's not. The wheat wine ends up at the bottom of my list. It's still a. Fan, I'm sitting over here sipping on it. It's still fantastic. All of these to me are absolutely amazing. So to put one at the end, I'm like that. I, there can't be an end to this list. Well, <laughs> all right, my list is very similar to that. Okay, uh, laid out for us. You, you've had some last second judging. Yeah, uh, the vanilla is still. Head and shoulders above everything else. Okay, me and you agree on that. Like I, I want to. I want to try something while you're doing this. It's 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 uh, uh, it's beer fest. As far as you know, the, the, <laughs> I want to put my dick in it. I wanted to put his dick in me. Yeah. <laughs> um. Casey's going to. He's Casey's going for something now. But. What, what are you? You trying a little more vanilla? He's wondering. He's going. Oh. Oh, he's going to do a vanilla bramble. Vanilla Bramble. So we're going to start coming up with uh, weird expert mixes here. A lot of people like to do this with Trillium beers. Mm. Like, oh, well, it's a like cocktail kind of beer <laughs> if you mix this one and this one. And, oh. Don't mess with mine. <laughs> no. Don't do that. Okay. <laughs> Casey says, Check do it. not do that. No, sir. Don't not do good. it. Not good. No, right, sir. But, don't like it. It's getting a little more vanilla. But the, uh, uh, the vanilla is my favorite. The... Uh, and at, at one, I like vanilla to start with, but vanilla with all these other flavors just just lands perfectly. My next favorite is um, next one starts getting a little close, but I I'm gonna do one last test. So I will say, adding the vanilla to the bramble made it almost acrid flavored. Really? Uh, yeah. Acidity, like kind of like curdled. The acidity yeah, in there just, just didn't play right. Okay. So it was like a, a burnt chocolate. So, like microwave burnt chocolate. Two, and like two and three are, are, are almost the same, uh, is the, uh, two is the, the uh, barley wine, I think. And three, very close behind it, is the reserve. Okay. The barley wine's got, got a great body to everything. Try orange and vanilla, Tyler, in the chat is asking. That's what I just did. It was okay. It actually came out a little bit more alcoholic. Um, and you could get some, so each one by themselves have melded pretty well. Um, the orange and the vanilla together, I got more of like an ethyl acetate, like, a. um, I want to try to ethanol. That's, that's very high. It's like an acetone type aroma okay. in it. So it was a little weird. So what we're saying is don't mix, don't mix them. Yeah. yeah. These are actually better by themselves. Um, so Bob finished now. Yeah, you're fine. Uh, then, uh, after that. It's the uh, it's the bramble mm. comes in at four. I like the bramble pretty well, and it is very drinkable. It's probably the one I've drank the most of. Uh, you can keep going back to it. It's yeah. almost a refresher to your palate. Yeah, it's it's a little less harsh on it on everything else as well. But uh, after that, uh, we get to uh, the uh, 
the regular the regular bourbon county. Mm-hmm. Then the orange. Okay. Uh, then the wheat wine. So again, okay, every list ends in the wheat wine. Wheat wine is the weakest of all of these. Uh, it it's it doesn't have enough anything to it. It's it's just. So this is the wheat wine's inaugural year. I wonder if we'll ever see it again based on that. I, I mean, maybe they'll they'll tweak it and it'll get better. But as as it is right now, it's not wheat wine and bramble. Wheat wine and bramble. Wheat, wheat wine and bramble. Those oh, two, did we just find a mix? Those two are okay. <laughs> uh, now. Out of curiosity, we've got to do... Okay, someone's got a King's Cup. We're at the end of this. I'm starting to make my King's Cup now, so... King Cups, you all stay away from mine. I still want to enjoy mine over there. I'm not pouring all of my stuff into it. Okay. Oh, (laughs) so then it's not a true King's Cup. Well, I'm pouring everything I have into it, but I'm not emptying out each cup. So, uh, I remember distinctly our uh, King's Cup from last year's New Year's Eve episode where we did the Bourbon County Vertical. That ended up helping. The best way to drink it, we decided, was the King's Cup. It was absolutely delicious. Well, it was, it's the King's Cup because you had to also mix in uh, two of the years, if you blend them together, made one of the other years. Yeah. And I was like, that's insane. And then, let's put it... Yeah. For some reason, the orange, when you mix it with anything else out there, you get... Acetone? Acetone. Vomit? <laughs> a bit. <laughs> or as Tyler likes to say, Acetone, his favorite gangster. <laughs> okay, it's so... Just, test, just tastes like Bourbon County. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... Uh, our consensus came around. We couldn't agree on a favorite overall. Uh, no, I think me and Chris have the correct choice. <laughs> vanilla sucks. <laughs> oh, I love the vanilla. It's like a big cupcake. It is vanilla, but vanilla is the blandest of the flavors. No. Since I'm s- there's there's a it's an insult when I call you very vanilla. Wars were fought over vanilla. vanilla. That's always what I'll, I will go back Wars to. Wars were fought over salt. Are you salty also? Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> Much like you are right now. I am very salty. <laughs> Okay, Come pick guys. me up, Jim, before you uh, you head up to Jungle Jim's. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, Tyler. I'll I'll do the I'll do the fruit cocktail version here. The fruit cocktail version. Let's see. It's oh. uh, bramble and orange. Oh. And these are all equal parts. Yeah, I, I don't know if you. Could... I didn't seem to like the orange nearly as much as everyone else. I liked it. Uh, just I'm not I'm not the hugest orange fan anyway. <laughs> Just, just for the best, because it, it ruins my stomach. Huh. All right, guys. It uh, definitely... So, on the Bramble and Orange, just, yep. just to finish that out, on those, it definitely feels like neither one of them is as distinct anymore after putting the two together. Mm. Although okay. the Orange does overpower just a little bit. Casey, chug a lug. Nah, I wouldn't use... Uh, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Back to that, back so, to a little bit more alcoholic. We'll go ahead and say um, it's not like a lot of other beers. You should not try and mix these beers to get some kind of unique flavor. It just does not pan out. These are all best by themselves. And if you're paying that much for these beers, you should just enjoy the way they're intended. So you can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at haveadrinkshow on social media and twitch.tv, as well as figuring out what the next show's coming up will be on haveadrinkshow.com. 
Uh, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website where shirts can be found at our at our store. Right. Yes, shirts, and you can also use that email address to reserve your spot for Drinktacular in Asheville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, all joking and fun aside, we're going to remind everyone, please drink responsibly. Don't make King's Cups. King's Cups lead to bad decisions, uh, but go ahead, check us out next, well, this will be next Saturday is going to be our uh, next live episode, and remember to check us out on patreon.com uh, slash haveadrinkshow. And so, I'm Justin Frazier. <laughs> Hold on, I've screwed it up. Yeah, no, I was I don't... trying to read that, so it would give you time. <laughs> okay, I found it now. Let, let, let's take two that, take two, take two. Check us out next Saturday for our next live episode. And remember to check us out on patreon.com slash have a drink show. Once again, I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. See you. See you. Bye. I'm playing a little bit of uh, Smash Brothers before I drive home. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>